to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So we have this great confluence of events where, um, like, uh, I had somebody earlier today saying she asked the universe of something and the universe responded. I didn't ask, but it um, seems like the universe <laughs> has us wanting to talk about hidden emotions. So uh, where um, do you want to take us in on the first of several hidden emotion items, and I'll, I'll fill in some others? Absolutely. And this um, first one, chronologically, uh, is actually something that came in from a listener um, a couple months ago. And Richard wrote and said, uh, I was curious if you heard the work of Jim Denthers doing the conscious leadership. I was introduced to him through the Knowledge Project podcast, and he, he linked to the particular episode, which was about leading above the line. And we'll have that in the show notes. Absolutely. Uh, the core of the material is about self-aware decision-making and particularly how not understanding your own emotional state can cause all kinds of problems. Now, and this is very interesting. Richard puts a question to us. He says, now between your podcast, Jim's work and other sources, I've come to realize that the role of scrum master can and should evolve into a sort of in-house organizational psychologist. What are your thoughts? Uh, so, which is kind of a, a very interesting um, idea. And for people who've listened to our podcast for quite a while, you'll have heard us uh, frequently uh, reference uh, various uh, types of models and tools uh, from uh, psychologists and uh, psychology. So I'm very much in favor of, of drawing on that as a source of knowledge. I, I'm I'm not totally convinced about what the role of the scrum master should be. I think it's important for organizations to have those skills. I'm not sure where I would in, embed it and say it needs to be the, let's say the scrum master. I, I think there's many um, places where these skills can be valuable. I, it makes it is valuable for anyone to have them and even better if everyone has them. So that's my, my direct answer to the question. I don't know if you would sure. add and just, more just to, that to weigh scroll. in, I'll, I'll I'll give my usual contrarian point of view and say I'm I'm never quite sure what a scrum master does anyway. So um, that's not today's podcast, and I think we've done ones before <laughs> on uh, what, what a scrum master is for, and I I, I can't always figure it out. So um, we we can do that again, and if you're interested in that topic, uh, write to us and and we'll pick that one up again. I'm always happy to rant about that one, but um, I think we'd say that you it wouldn't be useful to concentrate these skills in a single person, it would be helpful to spread them across the team, no matter what your team is constituted of. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so Richard, that may be kind of a disappointing, uh, perhaps, uh, answer to a question that's a, not to what you're hoping for. However, I did want to just thank you and uh, take the time to share your letter with everyone because you did share that link to the episode about leading above the line which uh, I enjoyed quite a bit. And I've referenced to people even in the past week and I've, uh, several times since your, your letter, um, this idea of, of above the line. But when I mentioned that to you, Squirrel, you, you had a kind of a different response than I did. Yeah, I tried to listen to the podcast and you, you pointed it out to me when Richard wrote and then I went back to it this week because we had this kind of um, uh, rush from the universe of, <laughs> of uh, things related to this topic. <laughs> I tried, I couldn't make it. And there's something that I just didn't get. I don't know what it was. Um, it just it just wasn't my kind of thing. So uh, I think I'm going to need you, Jeffrey, to help me out with what what the line is and why we need it and so on. Because I, <laughs> I I'm sure Jim's idea is great, and I'll be convinced by the end of the podcast. But today, I, I couldn't get it. 
Okay. Well, the, the, I think the podcast itself it covers many different topics, much more than just, quote unquote, the line. But we'll start with that. And, and in general, we'll, the, as you said, the theme uh, for this week for the, from the universe to us has been about uh, emotional awareness uh, or unawareness. So, you know, what's your level of self-awareness of your own emotional state? And what, what Jim uh, Denthmer said on the on podcast is when he starts working with leaders, the first thing he does is he draws this line on the board and said, look, to start with, just try to come into awareness of this question. Whenever you say something, whenever you're, you're talking to people, whenever you're in an interaction, when you're speaking, are you speaking from above the line or below the line? Uh, so that's the self-awareness. You should be, know where you are. And the line just divides kind of what we might say is kind of a, an open uh, a learning uh, space, one of abundance. There's many different ways to put it, sort of a, I would just say, generally speaking, a good space. Uh, and the opposite is if you're below the line, then you're more closed, you're more depleted, uh, maybe you're more fearful, um, you're, you're in a less good, maybe even a, a bad place, emotionally reactive, or may, maybe you're just tired. Maybe, maybe you're just weary. Maybe you're hungry or hangry. <laughs> you know, yeah, one of those. <laughs> one of those. And, um, and, and, it's, and this, it's just the very, very first um, kind of self-awareness is kind of, am I, am I generally in a good space or am I generally in a less good, maybe even negative and, and bad space? And just try to come in touch with that. So the line in that sense was a very simple metaphor. Exactly. And the simplicity is amazing. Um, I, I think he, he deserves a, an award for the most simple consulting tool ever. You know, I have one that's, uh, <laughs> uh, that's in our book that's a, a slider that I can draw in about two seconds. And, you know, you can always draw a double axis chart and so on. So um, a single line, that's pretty good. The yeah. <laughs> problem for me is that it's so general that, um, you know, you're just kind of, you're above the line, so you're in a good place. It's, um, it got so vague, and I kept waiting for him to tell me more about exactly what it was, and I never got it. So that's, that's when I bailed out of the podcast. Yeah. Um, so maybe <laughs> more examples will help me out here, but I, I haven't, it, it's so general that it kind of, it's kind of like the word nice. You know, that's a, he, he's a nice person. That's a nice dog. <laughs> tells you that I generally have positive feelings about the entity, but it doesn't tell me that, you know, the, the dog is affectionate or the person is um, uh, generous or something. It, it's, um, it's kind of too blunt a tool but maybe you'll tell me more about it and it'll help me. Okay, well, let's do that. And I think that's uh, why I think this becomes an interesting episode uh, and and why this week is so uh, relevant for it. Uh, people may know and may recall from past episodes, I lead uh, a meetup once a month in London, the London Organizational Learning Meetup. Uh, and this week- Link in the show notes, we were, you're welcome to visit. That's right. Uh, we were having a session and- um, uh, in there, we were doing a sort of normal two-column case study where you, on the right-hand column, you write things that would show up on a video camera, uh, things that you either said or did or the other person said or did. And on the left-hand column, you then wrote thoughts or feelings uh, that you had while the conversation was happening. So you have this sort of transcript with two columns. And in this group, we only had uh, something like, uh, I think, eight people in the room um, uh, altogether, maybe, maybe as many as 10, but I'm there. It, we, I found things I very often, uh, hear from people when doing this kind of work, which at first is sort of a, just a unawareness, even at the level of nice or not nice, even that vague general generality is a, not something is, is something that people are very often not 
aware of, and especially in a work context. In fact, one of the uh, people who were attending, um, they were very clear, and they said I, that they don't address emotion in the in the workplace. That they they just try to keep emotion outside of it. It's so that's sort of a frame that says there is no line, <laughs> and and I think that's that's a really a mistake, and. The because there is a line, you're just choosing not to see it. You're choosing to pretend it's not there. Okay, that that part I get. So so being unaware is something we've we've seen in as I say as we've been saying several places this week that seems to be coming up a lot. So yeah, I get that. But then how? So suppose you want to become aware. What what would you do if you wanted to discover your your hidden emotions? Well, I, and I think well, I think the line is simply a prompt to even ask yourself the question. I think that's that's really as far as it goes, and and your ability to answer will be refined and strengthened over time the more that you uh, ask that question. So it's sort of like if we if you're learning to taste wine or something like that, at first you just simply say, "Well, I, I like this one. I don't like that one," and, and then you you begin to develop more of a vocabulary. You start to say, oh, I, I taste this kind of fruit. Uh, I like this, that level of acid. I I like the finish, the tannins, whatever it is. You, you develop a vocabulary. You become more of a connoisseur of whatever it is. And I think that that can happen for emotions the same way it can for anything else. And the line is just an entry point to begin being re- uh, aware that start asking. But as you say, that's that was kind of like, well, well now what? <laughs> where, where do we go from here? Um, and then even then, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do with that? Uh, well, first, I I think before we we'll go down that a little bit more. But first, we'll start with like, well, why would it matter? Um, you know, why why would we uh, why would why would we care to know what our emotional state is, uh, particularly in the workplace? And I think that the the idea that um, work should all about being rational, uh, it should be about facts. It should not be about emotions. Um, it's something I've I heard this week and I've, I've heard before. And that, that's something I'm sure you've heard as well. How, how do you usually respond to that? I, I, and I usually tell people, quote, quoting our old friend Mark Coleman, uh, I say, um, sorry, they didn't tell you in computer science school that you were going to have to do dif- difficult emotional work, but uh, I'm here to give you the, the, the good or bad news, depending on your point of view. So now I guess I could say um, you need to pay attention to the line because that's important to success for your team. Even though that seems strange and doesn't seem like um, something that's natural to you or encouraged even by your company, that is what I'm here to tell you. That's what I always tell my, my coaching clients. So that part I get. Yeah, because there's two things that happen, I think, if you're, if you're not aware of, uh, of becoming self-aware. Uh, the one is, I think, it makes conflicts of and disagreements um, that are uh, covered by uh, emotions, but maybe hidden emotions, much more difficult to deal with. My, my favorite fallacy, uh, at least recently, has been to um, naive realism, mm, uh, yep, which we talk is, about that one a lot. Yeah, uh, so favorite for me too. This is the idea that you see the world as it is, and um, and therefore people who disagree with you are are wrong, and it's your job to inform them. And I think what happens is our views of the world are colored by the emotional lens that we view them. And uh, the emotions that we have will determine, uh, therefore, it will have an effect on what data we become aware of and how we interpret the data. There's this sort of you know, reflexive loop uh, when we when we 
talk about the ladder of inference at, at our trainings and and, uh, and talks, we'll we'll make this point that what your existing beliefs uh, influence than what you see as the facts. Uh, and um, if you're not aware that the, the role that emotions play, if you're not aware that those emotions are even there, then it, it, I think it strengthens the fallacy, your, your belief in that naive realism, because it makes it even more like this, what you're just seeing is the world directly as a neutral observer, when in fact, you're not that, you're, you're this biased emotional observer, but you've and you you have these emotion colored judgments of the world but they feel like they're just facts it feels like you're just describing reality so when you when you when you say something is that's good or that's bad what that person did was wrong what they did was negligent um they're being unrealistic uh they're lazy these you make these judgments about the world and the project and the people and it, and you have the illusion that you're just describing the world as opposed to making a subjective judgment. So I think that's uh, one of the the problems that go go down the line when you're uh, that that come up when you're when you're not in touch with those emotions. So I'm I'm still stuck on this part then. So so now I understand at least a little better what uh, Deathmer means by the line. I don't think it's something I would naturally refer to, but um um I, I now at least get the idea, which is helpful. But um, maybe because I didn't listen to the rest of the podcast, uh, what what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> so here I am, and I have this line in front of me on the board, and I'm supposed yep. to tell Jim or you or me or somebody um, whether I'm above or below. But I have no idea. Mm-hmm. How, how do I move from having no idea to having an idea? Right. So um, so I, I I'm going to go ahead and and refer back to our past uh, podcast where we've talked about the four R's and the, the uh, how to go ahead and analyze your dialogue. And you'll, you'll be stuck there. So the, the, the short version is what you're going to need to do to develop uh, your, uh, to get in touch with your, with your emotional states is going to be practice. Uh, as is, is so often the case, it's, this is not going to be the kind of thing where you listen to our podcast and you go, oh, now I understand. I understand there's this line. I got it. I, I know the model. And therefore, now I'm I'm suddenly going to be emotionally aware. That's not how it works. Uh, you're going to have to uh, put in uh, the work, and the work is going to be of a couple points. One is about to develop your own awareness of uh, what those feelings that you have are, uh, and that's going to be um, a, a bit challenging, I expect. But then, what happens next is going to be even more scary, which is we're going to ask you to to share them. <laughs> And and that's and that's important because that's where actually some real power is going to come from. Um, uh, you you have a, a great example, a great story of, of what happens when people are able to to share power, uh, to share stories rather about what they're feeling. Uh, the story of a, you, you you told it uh, this week uh, about a, a group of people who were just about to make a decision. All right, I was trying to work out which one you were referring to. Yeah, this came up, and it, it's it's really good we're mentioning this because uh, Jeffrey and I were jointly facilitating a um, executive team. So this is something that uh, we really enjoy doing. It was a real privilege. Uh, Jeffrey took most of the lead, and it was a privilege to watch you uh, working with this group. And I was uh, uh, mostly uh, filling in squirrel stories. And um, helping uh, helping keep things moving, and one of the squirrel stories I told uh, was about a uh, another executive team, and uh, what I described was uh, this team that was about to make this decision, 
and everybody I can't remember what the decision was now I wish I could but uh, everyone around the table said how they were going to implement the decision so we're all going to move into this new market or go into this new country or um, uh, abandon this piece of business or something whatever it was and uh, the salesperson said, well, here's how it's going to affect sales. I've got my team lined up to handle it. We're all set. Marketing said, here's how we're supporting it. Blog posts go out at this time. Technology said, yep, we're ready for the rush of traffic or the uh, the new feature or whatever. And so everyone went around the table and said what they were going to do. And we got back around to the CEO. And the CEO just looked at us all and said, well, you know, there's just something that bothers me about this. I'm not sure how he would have used the line to tell him this, but uh, I think he was above the line. He was definitely <laughs> in a good place because he was able to make a judgment and and share what his feeling was. And his feeling was vague. His feeling was not well-defined. He just said, there's something that bugs me about this decision. It just feels funny for some reason. I thought I should tell you guys that before we went off and did it. And then we went back around the table. And the salesperson said, you know, it was bugging me too. It really doesn't seem like it fits very well, but you guys all seemed to be fine with it. So I was going ahead. And the marketing person said, yeah, you know, these blog posts, they don't really seem to fit very well, but I was going to do it. And the technology person said, yeah, the feature's full of bugs. I'm not quite sure why we're releasing it, but, you know, you said we should do it. And we go all the way around. Every person said, I had a problem with this, but I wasn't saying anything because none of the rest of you were. So the, the key thing was sharing that you know, very vague, ill-defined emotional state for the, the the CEO. And then once he was able to do that, triggered this um, outpouring. Of course, we, we didn't make the decision. We didn't do it. So it was, that was shows you the, the ability then of his, uh, because he could voice that, uh, as you say, he was, must have been an above the line space where he felt uh, enough courage to be able to, to share what he was feeling. Exactly. It utter, utterly changed the outcome that you were going to have otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, and I think that's an example where someone, someone's ability to bring, make their emotions discussable, uh, really can have a dramatic outcome. And there's some other examples, um, even from that, uh, the offsite, one of the elements that we did in the discussion was to, to use, um, a technique called the six thinking hats. Uh, and in particular we used, uh, we, and we started with, the red hat, uh, which is for people who aren't familiar with it, um, the six thinking hats are a parallel brainstorming technique. And um, it's helpful because you get everyone, um, rather than a traditional brainstorming, which might people have going back and forth with ideas and not really building on one another. In the, the six thinking hats try to get everyone aligned, working in the same direction. So you put on, quote unquote, these different hats and everyone is wearing the same hat. So if you wear the black hat, you're all trying to find problems. You, you try the white hat, you're just thinking of facts. Uh, yellow hat, you're thinking of optimism and so on. And the red hat is just a sort of an emotional check-in. How is How are you feeling? And um, being able to bring that into the conversation was very helpful because it turns out when you have this group of people that they're all people, they're all humans. And knowing the emotional state of everyone else is tremendously helpful interpreting what happens from there. In fact, this idea is uh, so powerful, it shows up in one of my uh, favorite uh, techniques for teams to use, which is something called the core protocols, uh, which is something I'm I'm sure we've discussed and linked to before. But this is something that that written up by uh, Jim and uh, McCarthy and his wife, who's 
the name uh, escapes me at the moment, unfortunately. It'll be and in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes. That's right. And one of the core protocols is the check-in protocol. Uh, and this is something where you come in and before we, before we start uh, talking, before we start discussing the issue, you go around the room and everyone has a check-in. And a typical check-in might be one of mad, sad, glad, or afraid, or some combination. Mm-hmm. And just the idea of, of um, I'm going to get in touch with, well, where am I as we're starting off here? Um, if I'm angry in this meeting, it could be that I came in angry. You know, getting, be in that situation where, yeah, this is just before lunch or it's just after lunch, but I missed it. I had a call that went through and yeah, I'm, a, I'm already a little bit annoyed because that call didn't go well and the client wanted something that was unreasonable and whatever it is, I'm just having a bad day even before we get to this discussion. So maybe uh, if I'm upset in here, maybe it actually isn't something to do with the topic and these other people in the meeting. And it and if it's helpful for me to say that to other people, but part of the value is I'm saying it to myself. I am becoming more aware myself of what state I'm in. And this core protocol then is not just, it's a, a check of, am I above the line for myself, but also for everyone else and learn where everyone else is. And it ends up being a very, a very positive thing. Indeed. And it was uh, um, exciting to watch at this uh, uh, meeting of the uh, leadership of this company. So we had, again, just like in my story, we had all the representatives of all the departments and they were discussing a terribly contentious issue, one that they had been avoiding and tiptoeing around for months. And um, uh, Jeffrey, you and I know one person in that room a little better than the others. And I know that it was causing a lot of difficulty for that person. Um, it was uh, a contentious issue. It was difficult. It was um, uh, uh, painful to look at. And um, everybody had a lot of trepidation about it, which came out in the Red Hat exercise. So um, it became evident to everyone that everyone had that view and everyone was concerned about it. And also that they were quite vulnerable and interested in having a good conversation about it. It was quite a, a threatening conversation. But uh, by starting with the emotion, we were able to uh, create an environment where they could have the discussion much more effectively, I guess, know which part, of, which side of the line they were each on. Um, and the result was that the, they all said at the end that the discussion had gone much better than they thought, that they had addressed the issue. They came out with about 47 different actions to do uh, related to the, the topic. So um, the, the results were tremendous. And uh, that, that I can certainly say is, is repeated again and again and again in, in all my client interventions. When you get to the emotions, you get much better results. And, and I think this is a, a great lead into the, the last bit that the universe threw our, our way on this topic, uh, because just today I was listening to uh, the Feeling Good podcast, the, the latest episode, uh, which dealt with um, the, the hidden emotion model of anxiety. And what this model is, is that you can have the situation where someone comes in, uh, this is a, a therapy session. So in a sense, we're back to <laughs> Richard and, and his uh, question about in, in-house organizational psychologists. But again, uh, putting that aside, this, uh, there, there's a connection here that we are talking about people. And uh, the idea is that someone might be, have all these feelings of anxiety and it's manifesting in a, a certain area. But in fact, the, the root cause is a, a, a strong feelings that are, are hidden somewhere else that it, where it feels like it's not safe to express them. And that, and that emotions that are being, not being expressed, that are being submerged, are actually very, very important. And uh, we may think, though, 
you know, I have those emotions under control and that's fine. And that's, we're compartmentalized and that that's a problem over there. And it, and this is a different problem over here. And it, one thing shouldn't relate to another, but that's just not the way us humans work. And so it could be that uh, you, you end up having um, significant problems show up in other places that are actually related to unexpressed motion somewhere else. I think in this, in this case, uh, we, we, we now have sort of been talking from this sort of very vague, uh, are you above the line, below the line? Uh, we've talked a lot about how it can impact uh, you in different ways, such as your ability to have a discussion, to know where you are in the discussion and where other people are, and the idea that it might, anything that are unexpressed might be causing you problems. Uh, I'm still not sure we did a great job of answering your earlier question, though, Squirrel, of like, what do you do about it? How do you become better? That is certainly true. And and our, our ultimate answer is the one we always give, which is to practice a lot more. And we have plenty of links in the in the show notes. But I think I think there's more to discuss about it. Do you think we should try to cover that today, pick it up next week? Maybe we'll make that decision later and maybe split this in two. What, what do you think, Jeffrey? Yeah, I think this would be a good one to come back for next week. I think this is be one of those cases where we, we've made a strong case now that there's work to be done. And uh, if you tune in next week, we'll tell you how to do that work. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. All right. Well, if the universe is telling you to find out more about any of these topics, you'll find them all in the show notes. So that'll be uh, a great place to look. Um, this was uh, whole discussion was triggered by a very helpful question from Richard, which we again appreciate. We like it when listeners get in touch. We're getting more and more of those, which is fantastic. And we're, we're working through the backlog. Richard was from a few months ago, um, but uh, we, we unearthed him when the uh, the, the rush of, of, of interest came in. So uh, uh, please keep writing to us and getting in touch. You'll find that uh, lots of updated stuff on uh, conversationaltransformation.com, which is our kind of main website now with all the um, information about our new book, Agile Conversations, and this podcast and other exciting things. So you'll find uh, buttons and Twitter and email and other ways to, to get in touch with us, which we appreciate. And of course, as I always say, we like it when you come back and check us out every Wednesday. I've got the right week the day of the week this time. Uh, come back and check us out every Wednesday. If you've got a subscribe button available to you, we'd like it if you clicked that because then you can come and hear us again. Excellent. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Carl.